know, when, um, when we bring a, a word over the year, and I know it's February, but um, when God speaks a word over the year, a prophetic word, why does he do that? It's very good to ask that question. Well, he wants to bring us to focus. And he wants us to prophesy over the year. To speak over the year what he is saying he's going to do. Because when we partner with him, we believe what he's saying. And we start to speak it. So it's the year of divine setups. Why don't you say that? It's the year of divine setups. And particularly, God is turning everything the enemy has been doing, and he'll turn it around for good and to save lives. Say it's the year of the turnaround. Of what the enemy has tried to do, he'll turn for good and save lives. It's very important. Why? Because we need to speak what God is saying. Not just think and receive it, but to say, hang on, over my life, God is setting things up for his purpose. Because he's going to turn what the enemy's tried to do, turn it around to do me good and to do good through me, to save lives. And it's really important too because it unites his people as a church. And wherever Our people are united behind what God is saying. There's power. Because where there's agreement and unity, God commands a blessing. If we all get on with our own individual stuff, and we do have our own individual lives and calls, but God thinks church. It's his mind. It's his plan, church. So he speaks to churches. Local churches, you can see that in Ephesians, in uh, Revelation. And he has words over certain churches at certain times to say. And so it is the year of divine setup. And you're here to hear that word and to join together with the body of Christ here. And to see that happen in the outworking of your personal life, but also to believe for it corporately. It's so powerful to see um, and join in with what God is doing. And today, I just want to bring a message that God's put on my heart about divine setups in the life of Paul, the apostle. And we've been talking a lot about Joseph, but we're just going to hop into the New Testament and see um, how God set up his plan and purpose in spite of all that seemed to be the opposite to what God had said. But in the end, God's purpose happened because it always does. Because whatever God is purposing, it will happen. And ultimately, his purpose, Jesus told us what his purpose was. When he came, he, he came and said, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So the king had come to the earth to bring the reign of God on earth and to bring a kingdom and a culture and to to allow entry of those who would repent, believe in him and follow, turn their lives around from sin turn their lives around from doing what they thought was the plan for their lives and follow Jesus. So he always sets the conditions of being in the kingdom. We don't. And how to live in the kingdom. We don't. But Jesus came to establish a kingdom, the reign of God, and he demonstrated his reign to everybody who came to him with the signs of the kingdom, the wonders of the kingdom, which showed us what God's like and showed us the power of God that is possible here on earth. And so Jesus' purpose, ultimately, the divine setups he's bringing about in your life is to see the kingdom come. 
the reign of the king in your life and the reign of the king through your life with power. With a change of culture, how we relate, how we do finances, how we, how we, how we have family life. Everything Jesus has come to change. Because he came with a message and the teaching of the kingdom of heaven. All the way through he taught about the kingdom of God. And Paul, you remember Paul was opposing Jesus. He was religious. And most often the worst people are those who are religious. They are haters of the real Jesus. Not the religious Jesus. And Paul was opposing the purpose of God. And he had this encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus. And light came and a voice came from heaven so that he fell to the ground. And the Lord spoke to him and said, Saul, Saul, which was his original name, why do you persecute me? Now, Saul was going against God's purpose by attacking Christians. And Jesus took it ever so personal. And he still does. Say, that's a word. (laughs) He takes it personally. Why are you persecuting me? If you hit them, you're hitting me. And Saul said, who are you, Lord? He said, I am Jesus. And I've revealed myself to you for a purpose. And Saul said to him, you can read it in the book of Acts, Lord, what do you want me to do? In that moment, he'd surrendered his life because he called him Lord. He believed in Jesus and he called him Lord. Nobody can be saved without believing and calling Jesus Lord. Not just saviour, he is and needs to be. Because he came to save us from sin. But he is not just saviour. You can't enter the kingdom if he's just your saviour. He must be your Lord, which means really your boss, your master, the one that you serve and obey. That's what... uh, happened to Saul but it didn't just happen when he got converted Saul spent his life and we'll talk about him now as Paul Paul spent his life in continually saying Lord what do you want me to do what do you want me to do and he served God's purpose for all of his life he was a man who lived with a sense of destiny. I'm here on purpose. I'm here on purpose. And you know, before you were born, God had a purpose for you. Even before you even came into your mother's womb, God created you for him And for his purpose. And we can so easily lose sight of purpose because of problems. Or because we are just so busy with life. And we forget that actually we have a call and a destiny and a purpose in God. And that God shaped me. In my mother's womb, gave me everything that I need to be what I'm called to be. And when I became a believer, I became a new creation and I was then able to fulfill my purpose because it's a supernatural purpose that we're called to achieve, to accomplish, not achieve, but accomplish in his purpose. 
Paul was a consistent man. He didn't follow Jesus when he wanted to, and when he didn't want to, um, shut the book and say, well, that's not for me. He said, Lord, I've called you, Lord, and I'm going to actually live that out. And I'm going to consistently say, whatever you want to do, do it. It's not what I want, but what you want. Now, some Christians, and of course, none of these Christians are here or listening. She says, smiling. Some Christians say that he is Lord, but don't do what he says. Jesus spoke about this, and it's probably one of the most, um, well, for me, it, it makes me healthy to hear it. And I think it makes the church, church healthy to hear it. But it's probably one of the most awe-inspiring words that Jesus said. He said to some, why do you call me Lord and not do what I say? Because in the end, I'll say to you, depart from me, I never knew you. And so... Calling him Lord and doing what he says means that actually, in reality, he is my Lord in my life. That's what I want to do. I want to do his will, not just say it or think it or pray it. I want to do his will. So Paul was a a follower in truth. He wasn't one of these fake Christians. A fake Christian is kind of like a person that I heard a story about the other day who went to see a friend who lived on a farm. And as he was going to visit this friend, he drove past this old barn. And on the side of this old barn there were lots of targets. And he noticed, he slowed down as he drove by, and he noticed that every target had got a hole right through the bullseye. And he was amazed at the skill of whoever was shooting, practicing shooting on this barn. So he went and saw his friend and said, I've just driven past your barn. Is that you? Are you an ace shooter? He said, yes, it was me. But what I do is I just shoot and then draw a target round it. (laughs) So it looks like I've hit the target. And I think a lot of Christians are like that. Shoot at anything. Does it feel good to me? Is it right in my eyes? And then I'll put a target around it and say, it must be God. I remember once when I was first called to be trained for the ministry. Um, It's a remarkable thing. I said yes to the Lord. That's not the remarkable thing because I think we all, you know, one time or other, you you wouldn't be here if you hadn't said yes. It's how we walk now, doesn't, isn't it? But um, when I said yes, I didn't know what he was calling me to, and I was given seven options. Suddenly, seven different things popped up. One of them was to go to America and work with this very famous woman of God. And it was probably the most attractive option because it was Florida. And I was like... I feel called. (laughs) I just feel a calling. It must be God because it's what I want. Wouldn't it be nice? I wanted to go to Florida. Uh, It's warm. It's nice there. And after praying, the Lord said, well, it's not my will. It could be what you shoot at and draw your target round. But it's not what I have for you. And actually, the target he 
set up, the bullseye he set up, the true goal for my life was the last, the bottom of the list. I didn't want to do it. Has anybody ever said yes and you didn't want to do it? And I, I said, okay, you are Lord. I don't want to. It's the least attractive. There's definitely no frills in this one. There's no sunshine and uh, prosperity in sight. Where I'm going, it looks all dark and gloomy. And it always rains. <laughs> but it was God's goal. God's purpose. And I am where I am today because I took the steps of obedience to follow Jesus and say, not my will, not the most attractive. Don't let blessing lead me. I'm here on purpose. I'm here on purpose. I think we don't understand that we all have a will. Very often we kind of merge the two and say it must be God because I want. And God has given each single person here today and listening online a will. You choose. But it's amazing if you really think about it. Your choices reveal more about you than anything else. Can I say that again? What you choose to do reveals more about you than anything else. We can choose our friends. Many of us are free to choose where we work, not all of us. Many of us choose what to do with our time and our money, what our hobbies are, how we spend our money. And we all have free will. And God never forces anyone to do his will. Because he wants you to choose him. He's not a God who forces submission. Sounds like another religion, doesn't it? He's a God of love, but he's still Lord. I love what um, C.S. Lewis wrote about the king, the lion. What did he say? He's very, very lovable, very friendly, but he's still a lion. And so we're in awe of God whilst we're saying he is love. He isn't always going to cuddle me. <laughs> Sam and I were talking about cuddling. Not personally. It's all out in the light, Catherine. This married man. But we were talking about how an England player yesterday just seemed to cuddle the opposition and didn't really go for it. But, you know, God, God has a plan. And actually, we fit into his plan. He doesn't fit. It's, I, I want to go really further. Can I do it, Lord? It's amazing. We, um, and we, we, we will do it again. We had prophecy nights a few years ago. We had everybody show up. We had to have extra nights. Because everybody wanted to have a prophetic word over their life. It was, it was great. And I believe in that. I believe in that. Because prophecy builds people up and encourages them. But we also have prayer nights. And only the faith will come. Not actually uh, everybody. There are people that can't get here. But there are people who can and don't. Why? Because they have a choice. And they are free to choose to do their own thing or to do what God wants. True? True? Yeah? It's his target. His, his target is prophecy, but it's also prayer. It's not either or. 
And what's really important is that we see that we are all responsible for our choices. And just to finish the end of your life, when you and I go, that includes me, we will all stand before God. He doesn't, he doesn't judge us in this life, but when we stand before God, he will say, what did you do with what I wanted you to do? What did you do with what I gave you to do? Not, did you have loads of fun? Did you have a really, really comfortable, amazing life? He will say, what did you do? And at that point, you can't blame your wife. Nor can you blame your husband. Nor can you blame your kids. Nor can you blame your job. Nor especially can you blame your hobby. Because we will all give an account before the Lord for what we did on earth. Now Paul, Paul, his life was a surrendered life. Romans 12 verse 1 and 2 says that our reasonable, present our bodies Uh, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice. So in other words, to be a living sacrifice means my body belongs to him. That means where I go and what I do, doesn't it? That you present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable surface, and that you are not conformed or shaped by this world, but you're transformed by the renewing of your mind that you might hit the target. Not let the world give you the target. Not get, let your own selfish desires hit the target. But the renewing of your mind comes through knowing the word. How much do you read your Bible? How much does that shape you and your decisions and your choices? Because you won't know the will of God without the word of God. Because the word of God is God's thoughts or God's communication to us about what Jesus wants to do with our lives, how he wants to raise our kids. You know, if you have kids, you can raise them or you can raise them on purpose. You can be married or you can be married on purpose. You can be single or you can be single on purpose. You can be retired or you can be retired on the purpose of God. But you only know his purpose if you're transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so to hit every target and say it's God isn't God. It's finding out what the goals are, asking him to speak to us, and then we will hit the target. We are predestined predestined to walk in the good works he's prepared for us. I love to think that. I love to think that here and in the future, God has good works for me to do. I need to find out what they are. And they're all connected to the kingdom coming on earth. People. They're all connected to people. Because that's the business of Jesus. The kingdom is people. So if you go to work, it's about the kingdom amongst the people you work with. If you raise kids, it's about the kingdom. It's about the reign of the king in your kids' lives. That they'll grow up with the culture of the kingdom of heaven in the way you relate and what you choose to do and what you do with your time, how you pray together and what the purpose of your life is as a family. That you just don't separate Sunday, oh, now it's Monday. Now I go to work. But a Christian is someone who's following Jesus with their life. Sunday to Sunday, every day 
of every year that God ordains for us to be on earth. Free will, we all have free will. And I'm praying today that all of us will come back to thinking and believing. I'm here on purpose. Go on, say it. I'm here on purpose. And it's his purpose. He's got a plan and a purpose for me. Now, Paul, while he knew that God was calling him to be a witness, which we all are called in the world we live in, to shine for Jesus and to speak for Jesus and to see people saved and come into the kingdom of heaven and become followers, we're all called for that. Not one of us in this room isn't. God gave him uh, a word when he was in prison. And Paul got, uh, got into trouble because he was a, a real witness for Jesus in Israel. And that threw him into prison. The religious leaders hated it. And God spoke to him and said, Don't be afraid, Paul, because you will bear witness of me in Rome. And so Paul received a word, not just about his purpose, but about a destination. It's wonderful, isn't it, how God speaks. He says, I'm not just calling you to do that. I want you to see I'm going to do this. And this is what I'm going to bring you into. And Rome was like set in God's sat-nav for his life. You know, if you have a sat-nav in your car, you put the postcode in, it was postcode Rome. Don't know what that postcode is, but it was postcode Rome. And the sat-nav started to work, and Paul appealed to Caesar after two more years or more in prison. And he said, I appeal to Caesar, because he knew that God's plan was Rome, to be a witness. And so he got on a ship with prisoners and with uh, guards and soldiers and set off to go to where God said he'd always be. Now, the thing about this sat-nav is a bit like mine. I remember once I was in Kent finishing a weekend's ministry. And uh, it's a long way for me from Kent back to the West Country. It's quite a drive. If you drive a lot, then maybe it isn't for you, but it, it, it seemed to be quite a way. Anyway, I thought, right, all the major roads are open, let's go. So the sat-nav took the route I assumed it would take back home. And then I get this awful, it's rerouting. Has anybody seen your sat-nav suddenly start to reroute your, your destin- your, how you're going to get there? I hate reroute. Okay, so, because I'm someone, if I'm going somewhere, I want to get there. I did once experience, uh, I shouldn't talk too much about it, because some of you might be unbelievers, but I did experience being transported after three weeks in ministry. Four of us in a car in the south of Italy suddenly arrived where we were going, because we were so exhausted. God took us there. We, We all said, well, how did we get here? It was remarkable. It's a bit like Philip bit like Philip. God is doing the same things today because he's the same Jesus yesterday, today, and but when you want to pray, you, be, you want to be transported. It may not be answered every time. Just, 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 to, just, to, just to warn you. It was nice though. But when, you, when I saw this reroute, I thought, oh, here we go. It took us eight hours more. It was the worst journey. And I'm sitting in the car. I'm not someone who likes sitting in traffic. Everything starts to go. I get... And I try and think I know better than the reroute. I'm sure there's something different. I got, we got stuck on minor roads, farm traffic. And the massive amount of traffic coming off the motorway, stationary for hours. It was a hard reroute. But Paul, instead of going straight to Rome, got a very difficult reroute. 
And you, we're going to look in Acts chapter 27. <laughs> but remember, Paul's called according to God's purpose. He knows he's on purpose. He knows he's going to Rome. His sat-nav is set. And the reroute ended up nowhere near Rome. He didn't get, he didn't, in this next step, he didn't get to Rome. And I think everything about him was thinking, straight to Rome, boys. We're going straight there. How many of you have had a promise, a vision, and you think, I'm going to get straight there? Anybody? That God has said something to you that you know that you know it's a sat-nav, divine sat-nav for a divine setup. And you know that you know you're going to get there, but like you're rerouted and you're going, what am I doing here? Because I thought I was going there. But I want to show you this purpose in the reroute from the scriptures today. Because it gives us faith to believe that when we think we're off course, God is in control. When we think we've, things have gone wrong, God is in control. Now, when, when, when Paul got on the ship, uh, part of the journey, a bit further on, Paul said, I don't, I don't think we should be sailing from here. They stopped in a little place to refresh and reload and put on cargo on the ship. They said, I don't think we should be going. Now, Paul is someone who hears God. But the, the owner of the ship and the, the captain of the ship both said, nah, let's take a risk. Let's do this thing. Because many people don't listen to the warnings of God. This dangerous reroute could have been diverted and stopped. But... They ignored Paul's advice. Because a lot of people don't listen to men and women of God. They listen to experts first. Not waiting for what God's saying. Shh. They hit the target they want, which in this case would have been profit, money, gain, or pressure to get there. Pressure-led or time-led or profit-led isn't spirit-led. This is good this morning. You can see. We've all experienced all these things. When you're pressure-led, time-led, or even gaining finances. Many people take on work when God's saying, it's not what I've got for you. It's this. It doesn't mean you don't work. We all need to be working, whatever we're called to do. But too much because of money, actually. It actually can lead your life away from Jesus. can lead you into pursuit of things. One of the saddest scriptures for me is that Solomon began with a heart after God. But his love for women or love for things, actually, can happen in anything. I love things more, and I'm going to spend my time doing that. He ended in such a disaster. This man who knew God, built the temple, knew the presence and glory of God, prayed those prayers, if my people will humble themselves and pray, I will hear from heaven, ended up in absolute idol worship and horror. Read the book. It's in the Bible. Because you can start well and not finish well. And it's my concern for all of us is that we don't just start well, is that we all the way through our lives, we are radical followers of Jesus Christ, here to do his will. So Paul, he's on this ship and he feels, he must have felt like, I know God said not to do this, so this isn't going to be good. But he still had to go. But he's a man of destiny. And Acts 27 verse 20 says, the storm hit. It's, I can't talk too much about that today. 
But it was a really bad one. That for 14 days and nights, they threw off all the cargo to try and make it better to survive. So all the profit went. It's amazing how when you pursue your own plans, you lose. You lose your money. Not only that, they lost the ship. But anyway, when there's neither sun or stars, that's how they used to be led as mariners. There was no light for 14 days and nights. No small tempest beat on us. All hope that we would be saved was finally given up. So there was no hope on this ship. There will be a time before Jesus comes where the world will be in such trouble and turmoil that they will have no hope. But there will be men and women of God on earth at that time who will say, I've got a destiny. My satnav says, I'm going there. It's not my end, so it's not your end. And I'm going to pray for you so that you make it. And the next thing uh, Paul says, he stands up. He's been praying after a long abstinence of food. He stood up in the midst of them and said, men, you should have listened to me and not sailed from Greece. I like it. He says, uh, guys, you should have listened. Imagine. You should have listened. Imagine. And, and everybody's no hope. Oh, we're giving up. Oh, it's so awful. We're going to die. We're going to die. Paul says, should have listened to me, but be of good cheer. <laughs> be of good cheer. Uh, you know, take on a smile. The God whom I serve. <clears throat> in, in the same boat as the world. The God whom I serve. I'm a different man here. I'm a man of God. He'd prayed. And he said, the ship must break up. Sorry, guys. Like I said, it wasn't safe. You're going to lose everything. But God has granted me all 276 lives. In other words, I am not just here, I'm here on purpose. I'm not just here, I'm here on purpose. And it is that lives will be saved. I believe all of them would have drowned if Paul hadn't prayed. Praying men, praying women, you might be going through a storm. But you're the one who has a destiny. And what God's put in you, you will end up in. But you're here now on purpose. And your prayers are saving many. In your office, in your workplace, the people you meet, what you're doing. Because you're a kingdom-minded person. Because you know he's got a plan. He's got a purpose for me. And then he says, be of good cheer, you know, ship's going to break up. At that point, they didn't care. It's amazing how God allowed all of that to happen to the point where they didn't care. But they're about to see a demonstration of the goodness of God. Didn't look like much good because they lost everything. But that's okay because God's interested in people, not things. Doesn't matter what you lose as long as you're saved. Amen. It doesn't matter what you're losing. It matters that people are saved through your life. And he said, we're going to break up, but we must land on a certain island. So hang on a minute. Paul, he's in the reroute because of a bad decision someone made, not him. But even if we've made a bad decision, Jesus didn't come to condemn. He came to save. Isn't he the redeemer of bad decisions? Oh, yes, yes. Has anybody ever had their bad decisions redeemed from the Lord? Come on. He's a God of mercy. He's a God of grace. He's better than we will ever know. So in the bad decisions, he says... 
Paul, you must appear before God. He says it again. I haven't changed where you're going. But we've got to land here. And it's like the reroute was Malta. The reroute was via Malta. And um, we're going to read from verse 20, sorry, chapter 28. Now, when they escaped, so they come out of the sea, they all got thrown into the sea, and uh, some came in on wood, some could swim, and they landed on this island. Okay, now this is after terrible times. Weak, hungry, and, uh, well, what would you feel like? can only imagine, can't you? So when it says, now when they'd escaped the storm, then they found out that the island was called Malta. And the natives showed unusual kindness, for they kindled a fire and made us all welcome because of the rain that was falling and because of the cold. But when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks, he laid them on a fire. A viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. So when the natives saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, no doubt this man's a murderer, whom he's escaped from the sea, yet justice does not allow to live. But he shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. However, they were expecting he would swell up, so they were looking with expectation. Their, their faith was die, okay? They, he, uh, they swell up and suddenly drop down dead. Um, but after they looked for a long time, so in other words, should be dead by now. What, what a crowd. <laughs> Not a crowd I want to pray with. That's the crowd you want out the room. When you need a miracle. Are you my crowd? I'm yours. We're here for miracles. Deliverance from death. The enemy couldn't take him out. However, they're expecting a swell up. Okay, after a long time, no harm came to him. They changed their minds and said he was a god. (laughs) Okay, so... Brilliant, because they knew it was supernatural, because the kingdom had come to Malta. A demonstration of the kingdom. Okay, brilliant. Now, in that region was an estate of a leading citizen of the island, whose name was Publius, who received us and entertained us courteously for three days. Great, three days. Um, Must have been a wealthy man. 276. And it happened that the father of Publius lay sick with a fever and dysentery. Paul went into him and prayed, and he laid his hands on him and healed him. So when this was done, the rest of those on the island who had diseases also came, and they were healed. And they honored us in so many ways. And when they departed, when we departed, they provided such things as were necessary. Now, Paul stayed there for three months. Now, this is a mega story. But I want to I wanna speak probably from my experience and probably from what you've experienced. When, when you've gone through a lot, like a storm and a breakup, a wreck, when life has been just such a wreck, such a mess, when you've served God, so he, he was the only one that was seen to join the islanders to serve and put wood on the fire, this giant of a man, cold, wet, as tired as everybody else, is still serving. Hello, anybody? Are we still serving? Still serving people, still serving God and people. The only man the viper went for was Paul, out of 276 plus the islanders. Isn't that interesting? Who does Satan want to bite? Those who serve God.
But I have been tempted to say all this that we went through and now this. Am I the only one? We've been through all that and now this. I feel that at the moment. As a leadership, we feel that. All this, now this. But you know what? Jesus, didn't he say, you will take up deadly serpents and they won't harm you. So Paul's expectation is that what would kill others won't affect him. Based on the word of God. Go on, say it over your life. What might hurt others? (laughs) It won't do me any harm. Now this snake, as vipers can do, I've seen them actually. I was raised in Africa. I've seen them. They get on you and they curl around you when they bite. But Paul, I mean, talk about faith and not bothered by what the enemy is doing. In the name of Jesus, I shake you off. Nothing will harm me. I might have been bitten, but I'm shaking it off. Because I've got authority over all the power. Satan is spoken of as a serpent all the way through scripture. Even to the book of Revelation. Shake it off. Instead of saying, now this, let's sit down, let's cry, and let's wait for the next boat home. He said, I'm here on purpose. I don't just land somewhere. I land somewhere. I'm not just here. I'm not just married. I'm not just single. I'm not just raising kids. I'm raising on purpose. I'm doing my life on purpose. I go to work on purpose. I serve God with my money because my money has a purpose. Because I have a time. I have a breath. I have a life. I've got a purpose. And I'm not here to serve my goals. I'm here to serve his. It's his agenda. It's his kingdom. Let it come. His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Not my will, but yours be done, Jesus. It's not my way, but your way. It's not my route, but your route. It's you that is in control. My times are in your hands. My God will fulfill his purpose for me. And I believe I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Different kind of person, a person of destiny, who's got, this isn't going to finish me off. Because I've got promises that haven't yet been fulfilled. And if you're breathing, it's not over yet. But he's got a purpose in the kingdom for you. And to see his will done on earth as it is in heaven. So, just to finish the story. Great story, isn't it? Well, I like it anyway. It's feeding me today. I'm here on purpose. Go on, say it. God has a purpose for my life. I'm predestined for this. For good works. And God sets the route and the destination. And he's in control. My life isn't in the hands of prisoners or it's not in the hands of a storm. It's not in the hands of the devil. My life is in his hands. I've given him my life. Wasn't just surrendered at the beginning. He was surrendered in the storm. He wasn't just surrendered in the good times. He was surrendered in the bad. In every season he lived a life. I'm not here for my will. I'm here for him and his kingdom on earth. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. He has a plan. And his plan is always good. So Paul was invited to this man's house. A leading man of the island. 
And I can imagine them, you know, like week after not eating and going through what they'd been through. And I just loved God's provision because on this island, the sun, the sea, the climate, it's a nice climate. People go on holiday there. By the way, you're never, you're, you're never to live for holidays or retirement. Your pension part, you're to live for Jesus. His kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. That's it. I trust you're converted, renewed in your mind. You know, <laughs> this house was a setup. It's all working. All the islanders saw a demonstration of the power. But then when Paul goes into this house, maybe they're having chat over some, what do they eat? Fish, probably. More fish. More fish, I don't know. It's an island, so there's lots of fish. Prawns, I don't know what they're eating, but they're eating. And they're being fed up, you know, built up. And maybe he hears that uh, there's a pain in, in this, this man's heart about his dad. He said, actually, my dad can't join us because he's not well. And I think he must have been seriously ill. So Paul says, hey, um, I believe in Jesus. I'm here on purpose. I can see a purpose here. Brilliant. Someone's sick. What an attitude. What an opportunity. I'm here on purpose. Kingdom man coming in. And he says, uh, would, you like, would you like me to pray for him? Not in the name of your gods. So he says, yeah, please have a go. So he goes in, prays, receives from God. That's what prayer does. Asks and receives. And then he lays hands and commands healing. The man's healed. And then, I mean, you may as well cash in. When Jesus is healing, the whole island came. I wonder what happened to the NHS. Suddenly the government go, we can breathe. It's cheap. This, This isn't costing us. Could you go somewhere else? Could you be rerouted to London? Can we get you there? Well, the thing is, God's people are everywhere. But are they everywhere on purpose? Are you everywhere on purpose? So, the whole island is healed as the healthiest island in the world at that time. The whole island. It's wonderful, isn't it? What a vision of the kingdom of heaven. And, you know, just to finish, well, a couple of things. Paul's hand that the enemy wanted to stop was used for healing. That what the enemy intended for evil, the Lord turned for good and to save lives. And I did a bit of research, and I thought, I wonder who this Publius chap was. And uh, it turns out that he was a bishop, the first bishop of Malta, the overseer, that's an overseer of a church. And the three months that Paul stayed there, I think he went swimming, I think because he'd been in prison for so many years, he caught a bit of sun, vitamin D going in. He had some very nice meals, but he built a local church of which Publius became the leader. And 31 years later, he was still going, he was still the bishop. 31 years later, he was martyred for his faith. He lost his life, he was killed because he was a Christian. What a story! Of a man who knew God had setups planned, who agreed with the purpose of God and lived a life that was surrendered no matter what he was going through, 
He says, I'm going to go through on purpose. With God's plan and God's vision for my life. There's a lot more in the here and now than meets the eye. There's a lot more where you are, not just to where you're going. And as Christians, we need to know, I'm here. I'm not there yet, but I'm here. I will get there, but I'm here. And we need to live with this kingdom mindset. Lord, I'm here on your purpose to serve you and to see your kingdom come and to see people's lives changed by my witness. Wow. Generations later, there are believers in Malta. Might have gone through the dark ages, might have gone through deception, but still... What Paul planted on that island out of a reroute was so effective for future generations. So how do you see your reroutes? How do you see your storms? How do you see when life isn't all cozy and comfortable? How do you see where you are, not just where you're going? Because if you miss where you are, you'll miss out on what God's purpose is for you here and now? How do you see your family, your kids, your marriage, your singleness? How do you see? What are you seeing? Are you seeing God has a purpose for me? Set my sat-nav, Lord. Don't let me put my own plans and shoot for any target on any barn and then fill in the gaps. I want to live a, you see, surrendered person says, not my will, but yours be done. What a word, but what a high calling. And I believe there's a high calling on all of our lives, that you're important because Jesus considered you valuable enough to die for you, but actually to say, actually, I've made you for purpose. And that involves you showing who I am to the people that you are amongst today. And I'll definitely give you hope for the future through my promises. Shall we stand? Praise God. Praise God for his purpose. Amen. Doesn't this make sense sometimes when we go through hard times or when we don't even understand? There's a lot we don't understand, guys. And there's a lot that the enemy tries to do. But I just want you to just stand here. God's presence is here. Stand before your king and say, Lord, what I want with my life, in your own words, is your will and your purpose for me. I don't want to serve my own plan and agenda. I want to surrender to you as my Lord in a fresh way. I surrender to you in the worst times and the best times. I surrender the desires of my heart that I won't be like Solomon. That in the end I'll just live for stuff and my own desires, but I'll fulfill the purpose of God for me in this generation. Lord, as we stand before you, as I stand before you, I say, Lord, your kingdom come, your reign, come in me, come and reign over my whole life, my mind, my heart, my plans, I don't want my own vision. I want yours. I don't want to live out my life for what the world is shaped by. I want to be renewed in my mind that I might know your will, your word, your spirit leading me. That I may serve your purpose. I don't want to serve just when I'm feeling it. I want to serve when I'm cold and I'm wet and I've been through the worst of times. I want to serve you 
with all of my heart because you are so worthy of my best. And I want to give you my best in the here and now. I want to save the people that are going through storms with me. And I want to save the people when we land on, on terra firma. I want to save in every situation, Lord, and live to see people experience your kingdom and your goodness. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. It's not a game. Is it? And I know you know that. We're not shooting at everything. We're here for him, aren't we? And there are so many things, beloved, that the, that the enemy can throw in to get us off course. We used to be on fire for God. We used to be a, a man or a woman of prayer. We used to be. But now I'm... Something else, well, something else isn't the purpose. God's purpose is that we're wholeheartedly set on his kingdom coming and his will to be done. And you know, there's a promise with that. All things will be added. He'll provide everything if we give him our focus and our whole lives. Lord, thank you for your word shaping us today. Thank you for this story, this life that continually shapes us in the knowledge of your will for us. Thank you, Lord, that we can shake off what the enemy has tried to bite us with. (laughs) Yes, the poison that would kill other people. Lord, we are just going to shake that off today. In the name of Jesus, we just shake off everything Come on, let's do that. Let's do, I don't know, you may want to just shake, 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 shake it off. I know there's a song, but there's faith in this. Shake it off, shake it off, shake it off. In the name of Jesus, I say, in the name of Jesus, nothing will by any means harm me. It will not harm me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. The expectations and the natural course of things, I shake it off and believe the word of God for my life. I shake off the discouragement. I shake off the accusation. I shake off the condemnation. I shake off all the things that want to bring a cloud over my life. I shake it, shake it, shake it off. In the name of Jesus, leave. In the name of Jesus, come off my life. Have no effect on my life. God has not given me a spirit of fear. I shake off all fear of the future, fear of the today. In the name of Jesus, he's given me a spirit of power, of love, and of a sound mind. I'm here to serve the purpose of God in my life with this generation. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. I shake off passivity. I shake off um, the world. I just shake off all the things that would hinder me. I throw off everything that I might run my race and win the prize. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You might need to repent from shooting at the wrong targets. The wrong goals. If your goal is blessing more than the purpose of God, God's purpose is blessing, but it can overtake and become actually what the enemy uses to turn you away from God. Or just, you know, just your will. You've got a strong, you know, everybody has a strong will. But your heart set, is it set on following Jesus no matter? Doing his will, bringing his kingdom. Thank you, Jesus. Forgive, Lord, where we've gone for the wrong things. When you've said, this is my goal, this is my purpose for you, forgive. So that we may refocus because we want the same divine setups. We want this fruitfulness. We know that you can take a wreck and bring a revival. <laughs> we know that you can bring us on a reroute and start something that will last throughout the generations until Jesus returns. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> that you can bring um, the gospel through me and through us to somebody that will make a difference in future generations. <laughs>
Praise, praise, praise the name of Jesus. Praise the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. It's time to shake off worldliness. Amen. And it's time to step up for the purpose of God in a new way. Because that's what divine setups require. It requires a surrendered life. We hope you've enjoyed this message from Kingdom Faith Southwest. For further information, log on to kingdomfaithsw.com.